We're here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to lift him up. That's why, why we exist as a church. We're doing a series on the doctrine of Christ. On, uh, I say it all the time, not, not just the teaching, the doctrine of, what, of Christ, but the doctrine of Christ, of the person of Jesus Christ. We're studying who he is. And to sum it up in a whole, this I think today is going to be the sixth, the seventh part of this series. And we look at, we've looked at Jesus Christ as being God in the flesh. He is that. And we have to believe that. If we believe in some other Jesus, that, that that's another Jesus that's not going to save. He is the Son of God. And he was the Son of Man. And he was equally both when he came to this earth. And he's the Savior of the world. And besides him, there's no other. He's not one of many gods that can save. He's the one true living God who saves men from their sins. We must believe in him. We must put our faith in him and he, he alone, him alone had died and rose again. Specifically in our study, we're talking now about the ministry of Christ. We looked at him. We spent a whole Sunday morning talking about him being the son of God. A whole another Sunday morning talking about him being the son of man. We talked about another uh, Sunday morning about what God has given to to bear witness of him or to testify that this is my son, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, prophets and prophecies and so forth that have all pointed to Jesus Christ and him alone. And now we're talking about his ministry. He came to be the savior of the world. Okay. If you just want to note one thing that Jesus came to do, he came to be the savior of the world. Amen. And uh, he shall save his people from their sins is what Gabriel told uh, Joseph about the child that was going to be born of the Virgin Mary. He shall save his people from their sins. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. But there's other ministries. That would be by far the most important. Okay, but there are other ministries of Christ. We looked at him being our healer. We looked at him last week as being our, our advocate at the right hand of the Father now. Where is Jesus now? Well, Christ in you by the Holy Spirit, but Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding on our behalf as our advocate and high priest, as our mediator and intercessor, pleading on our behalf before the throne of his Father. And today we're looking at, at another ministry of the Lord. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Pick up with me if you would, and let's begin reading in verse 25. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We're going to look today about Christ being our sanctifier. Our sanctifier. Okay, this is a ministry of the Lord. He is the sanctifier of his church. He is the one that sanctifies the individual believer, and he sanctifies his church. The Bible says, it says in, in verse 25, we're to love ourselves as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself for the church. What is the church? The church is not just a bunch of people that gather in a building. They could be lost or saved that go to church this morning. 
But the church in the biblical sense means the called out ones. That's what the word actually means. Those that are called out. They've been saved by the grace of God. They've been washed in the blood of Jesus. They're part of his church body. Even if they're not in a local church right now, they're part of the body of Christ. And the Lord loved the church and gave himself for the church, for the called out ones. Now, why did he do this? We know to save us and we know to bring us to heaven. But Jesus didn't die merely to to save us and then to leave us basically unchanged. Jesus didn't love his church and give himself for the church to save us and say, basically, you're okay. I've saved you. When you die, you're going to heaven, but I'm just going to basically leave you alone and leave you as you are. That's not why Jesus came, and he certainly didn't come to love the church and give himself for it, that he might have a group of people that meet in a building, although we do meet in buildings and we worship the Lord together. But he, he, he called his church and gave himself for his church that he might sanctify it. Verse 26 would be our main text for the day, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it, okay? To cleanse means to make clean and to purify. The Lord gave himself completely, right? He gave himself utterly and completely by love that he might have not only a purchased possession, which we are by the blood of Jesus, we're purchased, that he would not only have a purchased possession, but that he would have a holy possession. We read the Bible, we see that, that there's the call of God upon our lives to be holy. And he is the one that makes us holy. He is the one that sanctifies us. He is the one who purifies us. He purifies his church. We just read it in this passage. He loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it. That he might. And in the end, that he would present to himself a church without spot or wrinkle. Now, I've heard this, and this isn't a... a a deep theological study, but it's a, it's a thought that the spots that in verse 27, that he might present the church after he sanctified it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but they would be holy, okay? The spots I've heard come from the outside. A spot, it would be like a stain. The spot would come from the world. Something from the world spilled on the church, basically, a spot or a stain that uh, shouldn't be in the church, and the Lord's working to cleanse that. But the wrinkles come from inside. The wrinkles would come from like uh, a divisions and strife and just inner things like pride and arrogance and division within the body of Christ. For the Lord is desiring and working to sanctify his church from spot or wrinkle to cleanse and purify it, not only to have a purchased possession, but to have a holy possession that is his completely and he is the sanctifier of his church the same one who redeemed us and saved us when you and I said some point in the past you said I do to Jesus Christ if you have done that that's your salvation when you really meant it by faith the Lord came in and that same one who saved us is the one who redeems us I mean sanctifies us who cleanses us and that's an ongoing work that he does Bible says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. He is our sanctifier. So we're talking about the ministry of Christ. One of the ministries of Christ is that he sanctifies his church. 
He sanctifies the individual believer, and the individual believers put together make up the body of Christ, and he's sanctifying the whole body. But I can tell you this, that the sanctification of the believer is of the utmost importance to the Lord. It is his purpose. It is his intent for those that he has redeemed, who he has purchased. He is also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, who he has saved. He's predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He has purposed that for his body, and it is to be our purpose and intent too. Whatever God's will is, y'all, the sooner we learn what God's will is and bring ourselves in line with that, the better. That, that's really the whole life in Christ, is to find out what the will of God is as a whole, find out what the will of God is for my life, find out what the will of God is for my family, for Cornerstone Church, uh, everything to do with my life, and bring that my will where it's different, bring it in line with the Lord. And His will, among other things, is for us to be a holy people, sanctified unto the Lord. And that needs to be my desire as well. Amen. And what he is, not only is it his intent and purpose for you and me, it is his working. He's actually performing this. He's actually doing this in our lives. And so there in the ministry of Christ, you know, Jesus said, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many or for all. There's the ministry of Christ, and in the ministry of Christ, there is that which he has done, and there is that which he is doing. In the ministry of Christ, what he has done, he died on the cross one time. He died and rose again. That doesn't, is not going to be repeated. There's no need for it to be repeated. The price has been paid. The sacrifice for sins of the whole world has been made. That is a finished work. And Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. That does not have to be repeated. Okay, so there's a ministry of Christ that is done, and we don't look for it to be repeated again. The Bible says unto him that looked for him the second time, he's coming in a different way. Amen? He's coming in a different way as King of kings and Lord of lords. But there's that which is done, and what is done and finished is all that he did in his earthly life. The fulfillment of all the prophecies uh, leading up to the cross where he willingly laid down his life and he took it up again the third day for a specific purpose to bear the sins and iniquities of the whole world upon himself on the tree. Rose again, that's finished. But what's ongoing? Well, we've talked about it. He's our healer. He's our advocate and high priest at the right hand of the Father. And he is our sanctifier, among other, other, other things. That is a work that he continues right now today. Jesus Christ is living, okay? And right now today, he's living and working. He's not sitting back uh, doing nothing. Jesus Christ is working in the lives of those he has redeemed to make us more like Jesus Christ. He is sanctifying us. He's working in our lives. I want to read uh, a quote from a book that I've been studying. Sanctification refers to holiness of heart and life that results from the abiding presence of Christ or from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. First of all, there's a couple of different ne definitions for sanctification. Both are correct and uh, they're, this, they're synonymous with holy or being uh, made holy. And the first of all is separated from sin. 
So the, the sanctification or holiness in and of itself implies a separation. These are holy unto me, the Lord says. They're sanctified unto me. The priests are sanctified unto me. And we're to be a people set apart unto the Lord. It, has to, it carries with it the idea of cleansing and crucifying the flesh and putting off the old and renouncing things that are evil. And the second is, is uh, moral purity. So it would be, I'm separated unto God, but it, these go together. A moral purity where we're uh, like the Lord. As he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. He's holy God, and we're to be like him. And it has to do with the idea of being not only separated from the world, but dedicated unto God. When the Lord says the Levites are, sanct are holy unto me, it means not only they separated from the world, but they're separated unto me. Their lives are dedicated to me specifically. They're dedicated unto me. And this is the church. This is what we're called to do and to be. Basically, it means that we belong to the Lord. Amen. It means to make holy. When we say Jesus is sanctifying his people and his church, it means to make holy, to purify, to consecrate, to hallow, to take what's not holy and make it that way. Okay? And this is an ongoing process with the Lord's working, working in our lives. Amen? And so he's working mightily in those he has redeemed to purify us. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses anyone and everyone when we come to him by faith. At the time of salvation, we're cleansed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. And, and even after that, if we sin again as believers, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's ongoing. If you're saved today, the day you got saved, all your sins were washed away. If you sin today as a believer, you can go to the same Lord be cleansed in the same blood and be forgiven by Christ today. But at that moment of salvation begins a work. The work of salvation, so to speak, you could say, just in salvation is complete. You're as fit for heaven as you'll ever be. But there is a working of sanctification that the Lord begins in the lives of his people. We're going to look at scriptures. So because everything we, we receive, we have to receive it from the word of God. He works mightily to redeem and purify those that he has saved. To, redeem, uh, to purify and cleanse those he has saved. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, but then there's the working of God in us to make us like Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this work begins, and it's an ongoing work. And how is the Lord changes? Or what is actually taking place? What is he he's doing? What is he sanctifying? What is he really sanctifying? I don't see anything taking place. What is he actually doing? And he's cleansing our hearts. He's cleansing our and purifying our affections and desires. He's cleansifying, cleansing and purifying our conduct, our speech, things we say and we used to say. And now as the Lord's working to me, he's cleaning up my mouth, so to speak. I used to curse a lot, you know, and the Lord's cleansing me and purifying. I used to uh, have jokes and off-color things that, that I would say. I used to be real sharp with my tongue and cruel and mean with my tongue. What's the Lord doing? He's cleansing me. He saved me already. Can't be any more saved, but I can be a lot more sanctified. 
So there's different things he's sanctifying in my life. It's a cleansing of our conduct. It's a cleansing of our, our minds and a renewing of our minds, which we're going to talk about in a moment. A purifying of the desires of your heart. I used to really love, and you fill in the blanks, this sinful behavior, this sinful place to go. I used to really love that. Well, God wants to change that. He's already saved me. But maybe I still have some longings for this. And he says, I'm going to work in your heart. I'm going to sanctify your heart. Not only are you going to stop doing that, you're not going to want it anymore. There's a real victory. Amen. It's not just abstinence. It's a sanctifying where my heart is changed and I no longer desire it. And he's sanctifying my heart and in my affections and my desires and my actual conduct. He's actually sanctifying my morals. My morals. What I, you know, I used to think this was right, and now the Lord showed me that's not right. I have a different set of morals that are ordered by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. The Lord does that. Amen? The Lord does that. I'm going to read a couple more quotes. I want to tell you real quickly what sanctifi- sanctification is not. This is what sanctification is not. Sanctification is not salvation. They're two different things. You're saved by grace through faith. Period. You believe the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that you're a sinner and need him to save you. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and you mean it and you're saved. That's salvation. Sanctification is different than that. Sanctification is a work that begins at that moment of conversion or salvation where God brings us on. A lot of people are saved and they stop there. A lot of people get saved, and I would, maybe they're truly saved. Only the Lord knows. They're really saved, but they stop there, and they don't pursue after the Lord. They don't go on to a fullness in Christ or a fullness in Christ's likeness. I'll tell you what else sanctification is not. Sanctification is not the result of an effort of your own work. It's not a result purely of, of self-perfection. You know, the world's filled with self-help books. Help you quit doing this, help you start doing this. Self-help books. I'm not saying there's nothing that we do. Obviously, there's something we do in our sanctification. I'm saying that Christ is the sanctifier of his church, and he sanctifies us. And the God of grace, sanctify you holy. God of peace, sanctify you holy. He's holy, and he's making us holy. And it's not the fact that I'm just going to say, I've got it, Lord. I'm going to make myself holy. You might be very strong-willed. You might be very self-disciplined. And there's a lot of things you can quit. Just on your own, you showed yourself strong and you quit smoking or quit drinking or whatever. Uh, There are things we can quit, but I can promise you we can't sanctify ourselves by ourselves. This is not a result of self-effort. We do cooperate with God, but he is the sanctifier of his church. And we read it. That he might sanctify. He loved and gave himself for the church that he might sanctify it and present that church one day to himself as the bride of Christ, amen, presented to the Lord. So he is sanctifying us, and he is working in us to bring this about. I want to read this scripture from Titus 2, 14. It says, who gave himself, speaking about Jesus, real similar to what we read in Ephesians, who gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify There's the sanctification unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He loved us. 
gave himself for us. Why? Well, he wants to take us to heaven one day. Yes, he does. Thank, thank God he does. That where I am, there you may be also. That's not the only reason he loved and gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. A valuable people, a treasure like. It's like a treasure. The church of Jesus Christ is to be like a treasure that is wholly the Lord's. Completely the Lord's. You are to be individually, and I am as well, to be that to the Lord. So the Lord begins at salvation, this work in our lives to make us more like Jesus, and he begins to purify us. Now, I want to talk about this for a moment. What is the means by which the Lord does this, or how does he do it? There's lots of ways that the Lord works in our lives, okay, circumstances and things like that. But primarily, they could be summed up in two ways that God is purifying his church. And it is by the Holy Spirit who lives in us and by the word of God. By the Holy Spirit who lives in us at the day we were, were saved, okay, and by the Word of God. I'm going to talk first of, all, first of all about the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us very clearly that when we give our life to Jesus Christ, He comes to live inside. He did not before. Jesus did not live in our hearts before we were saved. No matter how you thought of yourself before and you thought you were a pretty good person, we were lost and, and enemies of Christ before we were saved. He comes into our lives. He begins to live in us at that moment. And the, and the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Holiness. All right? So this doesn't take a lot of uh, brilliant uh, theological study. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is not just some force sent out from God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We believe in a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is every much as bit God as the Father and the Son. He comes to live in our hearts and lives, and He begins to work mightily in us. I want to read this. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. There's another scripture in Romans 15, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost works in our hearts and lives, in the lives of everyone he's the Lord has redeemed, to sanctify. He works, and what is he actually doing? I believe it's a work where he's making us more like Jesus Christ. He, the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us more like Jesus. As I said, our minds, our affections, our behavior. The Bible says it's God who works in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. And so this working of God's Spirit in us is essential for sanctification. In other words, you and I, no, no person is going to be sanctified and cleansed in the ways we're talking about apart from the Holy Spirit. He's not some little... Uh, uh, excess thing that you can take or, or if you want or leave out if you want. It's as, he is essential to the working of sanctification in our lives. Our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. You know that scripture is it's repeated in Hebrews. He's a consuming fire. And one thing about fire, the Lord, by the fire of God, by the Holy Spirit, seeks to set us on a blaze for the Lord Jesus Christ, with a love for him, with a 
yearning for him with a longing to do his will. He's, he's working to consume us with a love for the Lord. Okay? Paul says, the love of God constrains me to preach this gospel to lost men. But the fire of God, if he's an all-consuming fire, which he is, also works to burn off the chaff, to burn off the dross, to burn off impurities from our lives. This is by the Holy Spirit. It's not just the point of us repenting from sin. It's to, to be forgiven. We are. But then there's a sanctifying work where we're cleansed by the Lord from these things. In the consuming fire, he works to burn that off. The Holy Spirit knows perfectly what we need, what is needed in our lives, and he knows perfectly how to form Christ in us. He knows perfectly how to glorify his son, Jesus Christ, in your life. He knows perfectly how to reveal Jesus Christ and the things of God to your life. He knows how to do that. He's not an extra. He's an essential uh, to us being sanctified. Amen. And he knows how to best sanctify your life and my life. I need to and we need to seek the Lord and be dependent upon the Lord for this work in our lives. You know, we open up in Ephesians 5, just a few verses before what we read. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul's given instructions to the church, right? Uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And he says, don't give place to the devil. And he's given uh, different instructions to the church. And he says, be not drunk with wine, whereas excess would be filled with who? The Spirit. That's, that's an essential, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought it was interesting, the, whole, the Old Testament word consecrate. We're talking about being consecrated, right? Holy, hallowed, dedicated, separated unto God. The Old Testament word for consecrate means to fill. I had to think about it for a while. That, it means to fill, to fill the hand. And all I can gather from that, haven't really studied it, but if something's consecrated to God, they will be fully dedicated to God. And, and if Paul is saying in the context here, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a filling that I'm holy God's and I'm holy not of the world and I'm fully dedicated to the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his working in our lives. The second thing that God uses to sanctify the believer, the one that he's already saved, okay, you and me, is the word of God. So the Bible is just an old book written by men. No, it's not. How do you know that? Well, I can turn to one scripture that says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for correction and reproof and instruction and doctrine. That the man of God, that's the saved man, may be perfect and furnished unto every good work. I can turn to a scripture that Jesus said the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. It's not like any other word. The Lord Jesus can take the Bible as I avail myself to it and study and read it and sit under the authority of it and go to it and seek it and obey it, the Lord uses that to sanctify my life by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said at the Last Supper, he's about to be arrested later that night and he's going to be crucified the next day. He's with his disciples. He's praying to his Father. You can read the, the prayer all through, I think, John uh, 16 and 17. But in John 17, 17, he says, Lord, Father, sanctify them. His disciples, we're the disciples of Christ. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them, not save them, 
These are, these are those other than Judas that had already trusted in the Lord. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So it's not like any other word, and God uses the word to sanctify. If you look back at our scripture in Ephesians where we open, look at the end of verse 26. We'll read verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by what? By the word. So we're not grabbing things out of context. The Lord, by the Holy Ghost, sanctifies the believer, and by the word of God, sanctifies the believer. Now, how... How can the Word of God be used to sanctify? I believe one of the main ways that the Word of God sanctifies the believer is by the renewing of our minds. The Bible says of the washing of the water by the Word. The Bible says that we would be renewed as believers, we're already saved, in the spirit of our minds. I mentioned it early, earlier. You know, before, if, if you were saved as a child, you may not really remember much of your life B.C., before Christ, okay? But if you grew like I did and it was all the way my last semester at LSU uh, when I really surrendered everything to God, I can remember a lot about my life before I surrendered to Jesus. And I can tell you this, before I surrendered to Jesus, my mind functioned in a certain way. I would look at a person or a group of people or I would look at that situation or circumstance a certain way. And once I got saved and started uh, reading the Word of God and seeking to obey the Word of God and being taught the Word of God and studying the Word of God, I began to see things differently. I kind of look at it like if you, you there was a song years ago about rose-colored glasses. You know, if you, if you put on, you know, everything you look through has a slight red tint to it, all right? Well, as Christians, everything we look at it ought to be look, viewed through the Scriptures of God ought to be looked at as how God sees it, okay? Uh, somebody, for example, this is not me personally, but somebody might say, well, I think homosexuality is okay. If they want to do that, that's, they're not hurting anybody, that's their own choice. And we think that. Then we get saved and we go to the Word of God, and He says it's an abomination. It's not okay. It is affecting other people. And... And we start seeing it differently. What is happening? We're being renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're seeing it differently. We're seeing it for the first time correctly, rightly. We're seeing it in truth. We heard that wonderful sermon Wednesday where Eric talked about truth and lies and so forth. And so the word of God washes over us. The word of God cleanses us. And it's ongoing. This is not just a, a one-time deal. It washes over us and cl cleanses us. What does the Word of God do? By the Holy Ghost, and all this, it's the Holy Spirit. The Word of God can convict us of sin. The Word of God reveals Christ to us the, and reveals truth to, to us. We're taught by it. We're encouraged by it. Uh, we go to it, and we learn. Jesus said, now are you clean? He said to his disciples, now you're clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Isn't that amazing? He speaks a word, and they received it, and it cleansed them. That, there's nothing else like it. I must be very uh, dedicated to go into the word of God. I must not neglect the word of God. I have to go and ask the Holy Spirit to be my teacher, but go to the word of God because he's cleansing me. And, he, and that's one of the methods that he uses or the tools to cleanse his church is, is the word of God. So I want to move on just real quickly. There's, there are 
sanctification in our standing, and there's a sanctification that's a process that's going on. This is important. It's in our foundations book that we're studying in Sunday school. Just real quickly, the church positionally, an individual believer, they come to the altar today, let's say, and they give their life to Christ. They're born again. They are sanctified, and that is biblical. They are sanctified in one sense, and they're standing with Christ, in their position with Christ. They're, they're in Christ, whereas before they were outside of Christ. So they're sanctified, but there's also an ongoing sanctification in my behavior, and as I said, in my morals, my conduct, my speech, the affections and desires of my heart. That's ongoing. I want to read a couple of scriptures here real quickly. I'll just give them to you for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 1-2. This is how Paul greets the church in Corinth. Okay, just so you know, do, historically, do you understand what was happening in the church in Corinth, especially in the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians? All kinds of carnality, incest, people getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, all kinds of, and he, they were in the church. And he even says they were in Christ, your babes in Christ. Obviously, they weren't sanctified completely in their behavior. That work was ongoing and needed to be done. But he addresses them this way. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. There's another passage later in that chapter. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the, and by the Spirit of our God. So there is a standing which we have when Jesus, we say I do to Jesus and he saves us. He translates us from the kingdom of uh, darkness and the power of darkness and puts us in the kingdom of his dear son. We're set apart unto the Lord. We're not partially his. We're completely his. Okay? But that life that's now part of his kingdom, he's got a lot of work to do in it. Just like he has a lot of work to do in my life and your life. Amen? So that is an ongoing process of being sanctified. I want to read this. This is one of the key passages here. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. <clears throat> so we looked at, he addressed them as being, being sanctified already. Here's another one where, where there's a call of sanctification. It's an ongoing work. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'm going to read it again. Because this makes this point better than I could ever say it. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so obviously they weren't sanctified completely, nor am I or nor are you. There is an ongoing work of sanctification in our lives. And how long does that last? That lasts until we're finished. That lasts all through this earthly life. That lasts until we're, we're called home to be with Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 3, when we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. But I'm not, I'm becoming more like Jesus, but there's still a whole lot. And I can know for myself, the Lord knows, that he's working in my life to make me more like Jesus. So it's ongoing. You don't say, oh, I've been saved 10 years. I'm through with sanctification. I'm fully sanctified now. No, we're not. We're being sanctified. We're being sanctified. It's a real work. We ought to see real progress in our lives. We ought to really 
discern the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, and yet it's not finished yet. And this is the will of God, he says, even your sanctification. So it's increasing, it's ongoing, and it's increasing in Christ-likeness and personal holiness and our separation from the world. A couple more scriptures. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Read with me verses 23 and 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in context, he says, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. That's encouraging to me. First of all, it says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Your mind, body, spirit, and your mind, soul, uh, body. And he says, faithless he who called you, who also will do it. Because we could get to a point real quickly where I'm trying to sanctify myself, and it's not working too well. I determined today I was going to do such and such or not do such and such. When I got to school or got with my friends or whatever, got to work, and we end up finding ourselves doing it again. Something we shouldn't have done as Christians. And we get discouraged. But the Bible tells me it's the very God of peace that's going to sanctify me wholly. He's going to do it by his Holy Spirit who lives in me. And he's going to do it by the word of God. But he's going to do it. And I need to say to the Lord, yes. I need to say to the Lord, amen. I need to say to the Lord, even so, Lord, do it. I need to say, I yield to your lordship. And I need to constantly live humbly before the Lord like that. He's going to sanctify us holy and he is doing it and he's faithful to do it real quickly when he says sanctify your spirit your soul and your body holy and completely sanctified spirit not soul i believe we don't have time to get in a whole lesson about the difference but you have a spirit and you have a soul and that is to be uh sanctified unto the lord it is to be the lord it's born a born again spirit that can choose christ now And a lot of our sanctification has to do with choices. What do you choose to do? What do you choose to look at? What do you choose to listen to? What friends do you choose to hang out with? Do you choose to go and have a prayer time with the Lord or you don't? Choices, but I'm being sanctified and I'm I'm freed up, I guess you would say, to choose Christ in all of these situations. What does a sanctified body mean? I've heard people say, God doesn't care how you look. He don't care if you wear flip-flops to church. I'm not saying you have to dress like I do. I'm saying it's, it's a faulty reason to say God doesn't care anything about our bodies. There's a scripture where, where uh, Samuel, God was sending Samuel to anoint a king. The next king over Israel, he rejected Saul, and all the Jesse's sons were there, and David wasn't there. David was out taking care of the sheep. He was the youngest. He was the littlest. He would not have looked like the king of all those sons. And the Lord says, don't, don't just judge by the outside. Man looks at the outward appearance. God judges or looks at the heart. And I've heard people take that scripture and make everything in the world that we don't have to dress nicely. We don't have to. Uh, we can look however we want. We can cut ourselves up, mark ourselves up. That is not what that scripture is talking about. God does care about our bodies. It says right here that our body is to be sanctified, okay, or holy unto the Lord. 
It's separated from any unholy use or abuse. We're not to abuse others. We're not to abuse ourselves. It, it ought to be dedicated. Our bodies ought to be dedicated to the Lord. Amen. What? Know you not that your body is the temple? What is? My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. Therefore, glorify God where? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It does matter to the Lord. I'm not getting on a soapbox and preaching all against this, that, and the other. I'm saying it does matter to the Lord. Our bodies are to be sanctified and set apart unto the Lord as well. That we would abstain from fornication. That we would abstain from things like that. The Bible says that. And it says it in the context of being sanctified and holy and set apart unto the Lord. Amen? I want to bring this to a close. But our personal sanctification is it's a work of God. But in the same sense, it is, is a decision. One man of God says sanctification is a crisis just as distinct. He didn't say it's important. Just as distinct as the experience of conversion. In other words, when you gave your life to Christ, there was a very specific moment where the Lord brought you to that place of salvation where you said, Lord, I give my life to you. Would you come into my heart? Save me. Forgive me of all my sin. Make me your child. Right? There's a specific moment where you made a conscious choice to do that. And I believe there's it's a conscious decision to say, Lord, I want to go on with you. I want you. He's already working in us, but Lord, I... I want you to sanctify me. I want, I'm making a choice to, to, to be separated from this world and separated unto God. And it's a choice and we yield, okay? We yield to the Lord. I've heard it said that every man is as holy as he wants to be. I believe that. I believe that. I'm not going to give you a scripture, a doctrine. I'm saying I believe that every man is as holy as he wants to be. Every man has as much of Jesus as he wants. Why do I say that? Because if we'll come to the Lord, he'll fill us. If we'll come to the Lord, he'll help us. If we come to the Lord, he'll give himself to us. If we need help overcoming this sin, he'll help us. If we come to the Lord, if we come, he's going to help us. Every man is as holy as he wants to be. When we decide and say, Lord, I'm giving myself fully to you, as much as I can, as much as I can be consciously aware of, I'm giving myself to Christ. And he says, I'll take you. I'll take you. Amen? We have to have a divine revelation from the Lord of our need for this sanctification. I hope to impart that's happened this morning and through some of these scriptures. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. You know the scripture in, in Romans 7. The great theologians have argued back and forth. Was he saved at that time? I don't think there's any question he was saved at that time. I believe he was saved when he was writing that. And the experience he was writing about, he was saved at that moment. Wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? He said, things I want to do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. What am I going to (laughs) do? You know, we've all been there, right? Lord, I'm not going to ever lie again. It's the first time we can lie to get out of trouble, we lie again. What's the deal? Why do we keep doing and we hate it and we kick ourselves and we're all mad about it and we failed again? Well, we need to be sanctified. God's working in us. Who shall deliver me, O wretched man that I am? And he goes on to say, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He came to a point of surrender 
he came to a point of saying, it's not me trying a little harder. I'm not saying we don't try. It's a point of, of trying God's way and trusting in him and allowing him to work in us. Amen. I need to realize my need for this working of God in my life, and I need to come to God for this working in my life. And Chris, you can come on up, but I've heard it said before that justification, justification brings peace with God. In other words, we're estranged from God. We're enemies of God. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's justification. But sanctification, justification brings the peace of God. Sanctification, I'm sorry, brings peace with God. Sanctification brings the peace of God. Because I'm being sanctified. I'm dedicated to the Lord. I'm not divided. You know what? If you're, if you're here and you're trying to live, I say it all the time. I can say it, I feel like, because the Bible says it. And I can also say it because I spent five years of my life this way. We're trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, so to speak. One foot trying to keep all your worldly friends and pursuits over here at least the ones that aren't too bad, and you're trying to, to make sure you go on with Jesus and go to heaven over here, it's not going to work. That's not a dedicated life. That's not holy. That's not a hand that's filled. That's not hallowed unto the Lord. You cannot do it. Not because I say you can't do it. You cannot do it because the Lord says he's, he's going to hold to this one master. No man can have two masters. He's going to love the one, you know, and hold to him, or he's going to forsake the other. You cannot serve two masters and we can't be dedicated to God if we're still halfway dedicated to this world and the things we like in this we give up the really horrible grotesque immoral things but we keep some of these other things over here that aren't quite as bad well guess what I'm going to keep stumbling and falling can I tell you what else you're going to be miserable I, I almost am embarrassed because I say it so much, but I'm not embarrassed because God wants us to hear it. You're trying to do that, you're going to be miserable. You cannot do it. You're wasting your time. God did not call you to that. He called us to be sanctified and holy His, that He might present unto Himself this church without spot or wrinkle. And guess what? That's going to be what's most glorifying to God. But beside that, that's also what's going to be most joyful and peaceful for you. Because otherwise you're divided. You're divided. You've got to pull over here. You've got friends pulling you this direction. They don't know Jesus, have no real desire to know Jesus, but I love them, and they love me, and they're pulling me this way, and i got the Lord pulling me this way. Or it may not be friends, it may be something else. We need to be dedicated unto God. We need to go to the Lord, lay it all, at the feet of Jesus Christ and allow him to reign in us. Now, one more scripture. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 30 and 31. It's kind of strange the way it's phrased, at least in the King James Version, but follow along in verse 30. But of him... Are ye in Christ, this is the believer, Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The Lord is actually sanctification for us. That, that according as it is written, 
Let him that glory, glory in the Lord. It's not a point, y'all. Jesus doesn't give sanctification. He does work sanctification in our life. But he doesn't give sanctification as something separate from himself. You know, like flipping you a coin over there. Here, hang on to that. That'll be your, your sanctification. What does he give? He gives himself. He gives himself. And we're filled with the Spirit of God. And we're filled with Christ. He's given himself. He's made unto me wisdom and redemption and righteousness and sanctification. That all the glory goes to God because I didn't sanctify myself. I didn't have to trust him for that. And I need to yield to him. But he is the sanctifier of his church. He's made that unto us. Now the altars are open right now. And this is going to be our altar. I want to read this. Sanctification is the living God come to live in the new heart. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in the heart of flesh that God has given. So listen, that every movement, every thought, every intention, every desire of our whole being will be prompted by the life of God within. It is God manifest in the flesh once again. I believe that. Sanctification is not just some doctrinal, theoretical point. Sanctification is the Lord coming in fully as a consuming fire and sanctifying me and my, my soul and my spirit and my body wholly and completely, burning off what's not of Christ and making me more like Jesus at every turn. He desires to do that. All the altar's open. Let's come meet with the Lord this morning. Call upon him. Fall upon him. Ask him to strengthen you in this area, the areas where you continue to see yourself falling or struggling, or maybe you're not into, you're not even in the game, so to speak. You're not even a Christian. You can be saved this morning, or maybe you're not, have no desire for, for true holiness the way God has it for your life. Come and get before the Lord. Ask him to work this in your life. Father, we